Hello, Worcester and the world. You're listening to Public Hearing on WICN 90.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Joshua Croak, and on behalf of the Public Hearing team, we're so excited to be back with a new episode after a bit of a break as we're working to bring you an all-new season of Public Hearing focused on closing the digital divide and ensuring everyone in our communities has access to reliable internet, devices, and resources to learn how to effectively use these tools to access everything from healthcare to education to job opportunities. In our upcoming seasons, we're exciting to be expanding our focus as a show. While Worcester is still the driving force behind why we're here to share information and opportunities to make our home city more equitable, where everyone has the opportunity to thrive, we know there are a lot of similar challenges in communities across Massachusetts and the whole country, and people are doing some really great work to address issues related to housing, transportation, job access, healthcare, and more, things that might influence our own action here in the heart of the Commonwealth. So get ready for new seasons of public hearing where we'll be expanding our focus and sharing stories across Massachusetts gateway cities, cities that share a similar history to Worcester, Lowell, Springfield, Pittsfield, New Bedford, the list goes on. We're also talking with folks nationwide about innovative and impactful efforts addressing community challenges in ways that center equity, justice, and joy. So tune in, hit that follow button wherever you listen to podcasts, and help us spread the word. You can learn more about the show at publichearing.co. Okay, now let's dive into today's show. On this special episode, we are talking to the fabulous founders of Fembar, a new and proudly lesbian-owned bar and grill located at 62 Green Street in Worcester. And I'm so excited to introduce you to the awesome wife duo, Danielle and Julie uh, Spring, who opened Fem to be a community space for all queer women and to all people who spread love and respect for the LGBTQ plus community. Danielle, Julie, welcome. It's so great to have you here. So I'm going to let one of you jump in and start with a little bit of the story of, I want to know about yourselves. Did you, did you both grow up in the Worcester area? I grew up in Charlton. I grew up uh, born and raised in Worcester. So I only left for college and then I came back. I missed it. Okay. Awesome. So tell me your, a bit of your story. What led you on this journey to, to femme? Um, it actually probably started with COVID actually. Danielle and I were home. We both have jobs where we weren't working. So she went down like a bad rabbit hole on TikTok because she was losing her mind being at home. And she started researching lesbian owned businesses. That's how it started to begin with. And when she was on the trail of lesbian owned businesses, she started figuring out that there wasn't very many lesbian bars in the country. So then that went down a totally different rabbit hole of lesbian bars. And I think at the time there was 17 or 17. It was less than 20. In the whole country, which is just wild to us. So she started like researching where they were, like which one was the closest to us. And there was two in New York. And we go to New York every year for Danielle's birthday. And that's really how like it started. We went and went to the Cubby Hole, which is in New York and Manhattan area, kind of. Or no, near Chelsea, maybe. Yeah. And we went there for a night and we had the best time of our lives. And it's just a small place. And it's just a bar. Like they don't have food. They don't have anything. But the vibes there are just unreal and on our way home from new york that trip that's when it like started like fruitation we were like we need to we were actually on the phone with your sister actually on the way home from that trip and she was like you guys need to bring that home that sounds awesome and we all that's when it started yeah it was really my sister was the driving force um so yeah 
Beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> and tell me more of, of that, that story and like the, so lesbian TikTok COVID mm. opening of femme. And I have to say for folks who, who are listening, who did not see the opening like I walked by and just Instagrammed it. I was like, I'm not getting in. This line is so long. It was amazing. And it was like down the block and around the corner. Um, out people were waiting hours to get in. And that energy's kept up now that Definitely. you've been open for a few weeks. So Danielle, tell me about what that's been like. It's unreal. I, I've grown up in Worcester. The queer space hasn't always been as accepted as it is today. And so I'm older. So I didn't realize that we were going to have the response we have. And I'm so thankful that there's so many people that support this straight allies uh, and everybody in the queer community. And I could not be more grateful and, and happy to support the community that I've always wanted to be a part of. So I'm super, super stoked that people are traveling to come here and people that live here are supporting us the way they are. I think they've made it a, a rule that they're going to keep us open, which is really, really nice. Yeah. I, and I love that. And that's, you know, there's been so many stories of like bar and restaurant closures in like the canal district area. And I was having this conversation with some folks the other day about like the, there are stacked and intersectional reasons as to why that is, but to see a new place open that has such an outpouring of love I think that's what really fuels these spaces. You know, I always use the example of like over COVID time, like what were the places you were thinking that you wanted to still be there afterwards, you know? And one of those places for me and my partner was Redemption Rock Brewing because yeah, it's yeah. like those folks became, it was more than a physical place, right? It was an ecosystem. It was an environment. It was a community. There was love and support. And so we were like, we need to go pick up our, you know, six pack curbside regularly <laughs> so that we're supporting the local, local business. And you just felt that love and that energy. And like, as someone who's been involved in like the queer Worcester scene for a good, probably like a decade now, um, since I've been here, there you just feel that energy, like people want it. And you also see people that I've never met before. And so you're also creating an opening space where I think folks are feeling comfortable to come out. Definitely. There's actually, it's funny you say that there's been a few people like in the community that like I know, and every time they come, they're like, I've never seen any of these people out before. Like, where are all these people coming from? And I'm like, honestly, I don't know. Like I, and we have different people every night. It seems like we have like it's a variety of people. Yeah. Like it's like the whole spectrum. It's so beautiful. And like the room because it's not a big place, but it's big enough. It, there's so much love. It's just amazing to see the amount of love that's in this community. And that like is just show they're showing out in Worcester. And it's like it's I'm an, I'm honored to be a part of it. And they're just so happy. Yeah. Like I've never gotten so many people that are just like, thank you for opening this space. And I'm like, no, thank you for being here. Like yeah. we wouldn't be here without you like coming to support us. So it's amazing. Like really the outpouring of love that everybody has gotten, even the city itself, like other businesses on um, Green Street as well. Like everybody is just so, has been very, very kind and welcoming to us. I know. I'm pretty sure that I've, every time I'm at Femme, I see Sean from the Sundown. And yeah. I, every time I'm at the Sundown, I see one of you. <laughs> so it's, I love the little, like the street love, right? right around oh, there's here. a lot of street love. I, I love all of our neighbors, especially like Tommy from Mai Tais. He's, he's amazing and he loves the community just as much. So, Thank you, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Tommy. And I have to, as a designer and someone who loves like interiors and design and art and things like that, I have to give you guys a shout out because the space looks amazing too. And I know that you, Julie, did a lot of the like imagining and the work in there. So talk to me about just like creating 
an environment that is like it was primed to welcome in the community. Yeah, I definitely wanted it to feel homey. Like, um, I don't, I don't really know where they came from. Maybe like my parents. Like, we always had a house that felt like home. Like, whenever you came into my mom, go into my mom's house. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, you just feel like you're at home. And I was telling Danielle, like, our house is the same way. And I was like, I want people to come in here and feel like, okay, like we can hang out here. Like, it's comfortable. But the idea was in my head, like. I don't know where I got this like vision from, from it, but I knew what I wanted. And the only thing Danielle wanted was pink chairs. That was her only requirement. She was like, I want pink chairs. So I was like, okay, what can I do with pink chairs? So I had this like aesthetic brewing in my head and everybody that we met with while we were trying to like get this off the ground, like basically like said no to my ideas. Everybody was like, no, that's not going to work. And they talked some nonsense to me (laughs) really trying to get me to change my mind trying to get me to go with a different color scheme and I was like no and I remember like one night I was I was like really upset about it and I was like crying to Danielle and I was like it's up here and I was like I know you guys don't trust me I was like but it's here like I know what I want and I know what's gonna do and she was like just do it then just like figure it out and we'll do it and I would like to give a shout out to one of my other friends Danielle I know, common name in my life, but um, she helped me a lot and she came through for me and she was one of my only friends that like really showed up for me like every Monday and she helped me hang everything on the wall. She helped me paint things that need to be painted, like she helped me do the bathroom. She helped me a lot with everything. So don't forget John too. Oh, John John did a ton. John did all of our like, John did all of our construction, construction really small projects, but he did everything on it. Like they were the only three working in the space other than I had an uncle that painted the entire room. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just basically the four of them that did all the work in there and I would just show up and be like what you do today <laughs> <laughs> beautiful and and I love like black ceilings black walls yes. gold pink accents and like unashamedly queer right yes. like the, the art on the walls and you know I gotta shout out Janessa oh, for yeah. the oh incredible my God. Janessa, mural yeah. and talk to me about the mural the inspiration the it's stunning. So for the mural itself, we knew we wanted something and we were teeter tottering on different like ideas, but I, um, am a big like mythology fan, I guess. So, and I really wanted a Medusa head. Like I knew what I wanted. I knew it, but it was just a matter of like figuring it out, like what we were going to do with it. So then we met with Janessa and I showed her a picture. I just kind of gave her like an idea. I was like something like this. And she was like, no, I got you. Like, tell me what colors you want. Tell me what you're thinking. And she just had so many good ideas that like we were going to tie into it. And then with the mural too, Danielle's sister had passed away last year. So we wanted to make sure we tied her in. We were going to tie her in somewhere into the bar, but we just didn't know how. And Janessa was like, let's put her in the mural. And Janessa really went like above and beyond. Like mm. if you look at it, there's a name necklace on it and that it's Danielle's sister exact name necklace and like her name earrings and She's, if you like, look, there's like things hidden in the mural itself too. There's like a double headed snake because she was a Gemini and she just, I don't know. Janessa just really like went out of her way to make it like special for Danielle and her family. And she even put like all the signs of like different symbols for like women and different symbols in the queer community that are super important. She hit it. So there's a lot of little Easter eggs that are like hidden in the mural, which is very, very cool. Like it's a very, very sentimental, cool thing. It's a beautiful tribute to have in the space. Anybody who knew Deontay comes and looks at it and they're like, yes, like they just smile when they see it because they can't help it. Like it's a strong, beautiful black woman just staring down at everybody in that bar. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, holding court at them. Holding court at them. Definitely, definitely. 
Yeah. To me, that's what femme like signifies is, is the mural itself is just like, that's what femme is to me. It's not like, it's just this female energy. That's mm. all. It doesn't matter if you're mask. It doesn't matter if you're femme. It doesn't matter if you're queer man. We all have that feminine energy that's just like, we're staring down at you. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. So thank you, Janessa. <laughs> yes. Yeah, thank you. Shout out to Janessa. So on the back of your staff shirts, it says, be who you needed to be when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure I like to tear it up when I first <laughs> came in and saw that on the shirt. So talk to me about the importance of like that message. That was actually all Danielle. I, I only did a couple things and I did the pink chairs. <laughs> I did the pink lights and I did the backs of the shirts. Um, again, I'm older. So I know when I was younger, it was kind of like taboo to be a lesbian. So I didn't have anyone I could look up to. So for me, as I grew up, I wanted to become someone that younger people who don't have someone to look up to could look up to. So for me, it was really important that our staff is that as well. So that's where that came from. Be who you needed when you were younger. I think that's really important. And I think that a lot of our clientele, when they see that, they they that clicks for them. And they're like, yeah, let's do that. So I, uh, yeah, I love, I love that. But a lot of people are like yelling at us for shirts and we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Merch coming soon. Yeah, yes, exactly. Absolutely, actually. Amazing. Well, I can't wait to rep Femme. Uh, absolutely. And and that message is so powerful and it's so important. And I think, you know, maybe it's it doesn't even need to be said now, given the unfortunate climate of the country with these anti-trans bills and anti-drag legislation that we're seeing. And um I think folks and you know, running a LGBTQ nonprofit, love your labels. Like I have a lot of conversations with folks in the community who are like, you know, thank God we're in Massachusetts. And I'm like both yes. And right. Like, yes. And like, we are not immune to the hate that is growing across the country. And, you know, we've had to even be more considerate of community safety and considerations with our own drag story time program and other things that we have going on. And I've had people say to me, like, because I had a conversation a few years back with someone about like how there aren't many queer spaces and folks are like, isn't that maybe like a good sign that just more spaces are now more welcoming and accepting and inclusive. And I'm like, I have an expectation that space I walk into, especially public space should be inclusive and welcoming, but there is something very different about space being made for you and your community. And sometimes they don't get it because every space is made for them. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so it's like when everything's made for you and you don't see it, sometimes you don't, you don't know things unless you've experienced it for yourself. Mm. And sometimes I think a lot of the times like they don't, they just don't know because they, they don't get that feeling of, okay, am I going to be okay in here? Or am I going to feel uncomfortable or is someone going to stare at us or whatever it may be, like however you feel. And like, they just don't, sometimes people just don't know. And I grew up, um, I went to a private school that was, I was one of very few minorities. Um, and I grew up around a lot of people that didn't look like me, didn't have the same sexuality as me. And because of their experiences that they've seen through my eyes, they get it. So I think it's important for a lot of people to step outside of themselves and start to, it's it's real easy to look at the world through your own eyes. It's tough to look at it through someone else's eyes. Mm-hmm. So I think as people start to really recognize, I mean, we've had some, we have straight employees that are now seeing like how important this space is. And it's really like, it's so touching because they're like, no, we're in this fight with you. We get it now. And it's important for people to take that step outside of themselves and just look at it and go, okay, well, maybe every safe, every space isn't for everybody. But congratulations that you've made a space to make some people feel really good about themselves. 
Absolutely. And I think the thing that I just, I've fallen more in love with the queer community like every day, you know, and because how expansive it is and how beautiful and really just like the energy of the queer community, I think overall is this welcome invitation to everybody to like explore your own difference. Cause like everyone holds that right. Like, and I've seen folks who are straight allies who have come into like the queer spaces and they just see people living authentically. And then like you see them and you're like, okay, I see that hat you're wearing or that vest you pulled out that you would not have been wearing a few weeks ago. And it like, is this invitation to like open oneself up to exploring like who we really are outside of like narratives that we're told, like how we should be, who, who, what we should act like, et cetera. You know? Yeah. I think that's probably one of my favorite parts so far of like actually being in the business. I'm there every day. So I see like different people come in all day long and like just seeing like people feeling so comfortable to be there and act however they want to act and dress however they want. And everyone's just so kind anyway, but like you can tell people are comfortable and like, they're just happy. Like they're smiling. And even with our staff, some of our staff hasn't been maybe treated the best at other jobs or, or whatnot, but like they're so comfortable to be in their own skin at FEM and like they come and they come and drag like to work. And I'm just like, yes, like let's do this. Like get it. Like, and I just love that they're, I just love that feeling that they're so comfortable. Like, at them. yeah, I can't say anything. Like, I just love it. <laughs> what are some of the things like as you know, business owners now who open this space on your journey to like doing that? Like, what are some things that you would share with folks who might be like, oh, that's a dream of mine to like open a space for the community? Like, what were some of the challenges? What were some of the things that you learned that maybe like you didn't expect? as you went through this journey? It's tricky because I've already owned a bar a long time ago. So there were a lot of things that I was prepared for. Um, luckily, I think. Um, but I would say stick to your guns. If you feel a certain way and you want to open up a certain way, don't let anybody talk you out of it because a lot of other people that are vendors, that are distributors, they've never seen a space like this, so they can't grasp it. So stick with what you want to do. Do it your way. Mm. Don't be told anything different. Mm. Yeah, definitely. If I changed my mind, it wouldn't be the space it was. And be friends with your your city. People in the city are so helpful and they might have a bad rap for me, but anyone I encountered in the city, especially for like paperwork. So I've never done this before. Danielle has. I do a lot of paperwork and I messed up a lot of paperwork and so much paperwork that as soon as I walked into the offices, sometimes they were like, hey, Julie, <laughs> <laughs> they knew who I was. I messed up and they were nothing but kind to me and they helped me every step of the way. So I can't say enough, like be friendly with them. Like, don't be mean with them. Like they really are here to help you. And they really want to like see your business, like succeed. Like they were even helping me with things I forgot. Like I didn't, or maybe I just didn't even know because I've never opened a business before. Mm. And they're like, no, you got to fill this out too. And you got to do this. So I got a lot of help from, from the city. That's great. Thank you. City of Worcester. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Shout outs. Shout outs. I love it. And what were some of the, the obstacles, you know, as, as two queer women, I imagine there were obstacles. It's a it's a boys game. It's a, boys, it's club, a boys club. And it's it's a it's a particular boys club. And it's very a lot of the vendors are the same type of boy. Um and they talk down to us, they talk through us, they see through us. So they don't think we're the owners a lot of the times. They'll they'll walk, right they'll past, walk us. past us to our kitchen staff and talk to them and I'm like, Hey, <laughs> we're here. We we pay your bills. <laughs> but uh 
that that's probably been the hardest part is just getting them to understand like, hey, we're here and you're gonna have to talk to us differently. We're not the we're not the good old boys. You're gonna have to treat us different. You're gonna have to work on our terms. And I I don't I put my foot down. I'm just like we're gonna do it our way. That's how that's how this is gonna go. It's our space. So, and getting the vendors to understand that it's a a woman owned business and it's um targeted to women or not even just women like but it's predominantly like in their jobs like maybe bars are more geared towards sports bars yeah sports bars so it's like more men so like getting them to change their thinking of like okay like what would a woman drink or like what what would you like if you went out so getting a different perspective is has been very difficult shout out to the female distributors we have they've been amazing and there's not enough of them i want to say that to all these beer companies liquor companies Get more women, you will sell more product. <laughs> yes, yes, that's amazing. And and the you know this is my I'm a nerd for cities and like community building and these environments. Like not to continue like going back to how you've built out the space, but um, I talk about that as like third spaces, right? It's like not your home, not your workplace, but it's like where you choose to spend your time and like those are incredibly important spaces and there's there's like a veil or a, a, maybe even just a perceived barrier lifted when you walk into a space that is like so centering queer identity to like be able to open up dialogue and conversation with folks. Right. And like, as a queer non-binary person myself, like sitting at the bar at femme, like knowing that I can like most likely turn to the person sitting at the bar next to me and just like be myself and like, just have a conversation and just like uh, know that it's not going to be like, my identity is going to be attacked or it's going to be some very awkward thing, which, which definitely still happens places, you know, it's like, it's just so, so incredible. And so as we're talking about like relationship building and like cultivating that, like what are some of the, the future plans of, of femme? I know you have live music at the space. You've talked about events and what's the future. What's the, what's, I know you're still right at the beginning, (laughs) but I'm like, let's talk about where you, where your vision is going to take you. I'm going to just jump in like the way you're talking about sitting at the bar. It's so funny. I was talking to my grandma today. She came in for brunch and I was saying how the space is unlike anything I've ever seen where, I've never heard so many thank yous, excuse me, I'm so sorry for stepping on you, and just so much love um, at the bar when we're packed and it's elbow to elbow. Like, it's amazing to see that. So I'm, I'm so glad you feel safe there, too. Mm. It, it, it makes me so, like, happy. Uh, but back to events, that's Julie. <laughs> uh, I th- we're hoping to start events in April, actually, and we have, like, a few things we want to do, um, like a drag brunch, and we want to do a drag, but, like, more importantly, I want to focus on drag king brunch or maybe a drag king night. We're really looking forward to do that because there's there's not a lot of spaces that do drag kings, which is funny because I grew up like seeing them on TV, such like L Word. Like one of the first times I ever saw a drag king was on the L Word, and I was like obsessed ever since. And Danielle's like, "You're wild!" <laughs> like it's not like it's just a it's a very cool thing, and I think we should have more of that in the city. But that that will come too. But let's talk about your book club. Oh yeah, no, I'm getting there. Ooh um, yes, book club. Book club. Yeah. So I'm an avid reader. Um, I've always wanted to be a part of a book club, but they're kind of like, I don't know, I guess you it's to, hard. It's hard to find one or hard to even just like get into one. So one of my friends, Matt, he is actually doing a lot of our events and helping us out. And he works for some authors and stuff like that and sets up events for them. So he's going to be taking control and doing like a setting up a book club for us, which I'm really, really excited about. And 
I told him that I wanted to do a free library. That's what we have at FEM as well. And he was the one that like helped me get like the free library box. He was very excited as soon as I told him. So I'm very excited to do a book club. And I think it's going to be on the second Tuesday of every month. We're going to hold a book club. Awesome. So that's something exciting. Yeah. And, and maybe some, we're still in the works of this, but maybe some youth nights. Yes. <laughs> yes. I would love to explore this. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's important, though. You know, it it's is. important that they see a space like that. Because we, I don't know about you, but I didn't get to see that when I was a kid. And I think that would have been important. Oh, so huge. We want to make sure we, you know, we include those that need to be included. Yeah. And, and the, the piece of like, and this goes kind of my own lived experience, but also something that we observe in a lot of like cities and communities, like a lot of queer young people want to like make it to the, the bigger cities where they see the the queer scene. So like vibrant and, and thriving. Right. And it's like, we know how many queer folks are all over the world, right? And all over this country and every town and every city. And we don't build our environments to really nurture and support that and also help queer folks connect with each other, you know? And that's something even in what I would still consider Worcester as a very growing and developing like queer scene and queer community. And folks are coming out now and connecting at places like femme and at, you know, events like the drag story time we do at redemption rock. And it's like, how long have you lived in the city? They're like my whole life. And I'm like, I've been here 12 years. How have we not met, yeah. you know? And so creating that space is so important and showing our young people, especially like you can stay in this community if you want and it will be loved and accepted and embraced. And you can like participate and be involved in the stuff going on. Absolutely. Uh, another thing, last night, uh, there were some people, they told me they were in their 30s, but they, they then whispered that they were in their 70s. They're looking <laughs> for um, an older group, too, that we would be able to hold older group events. So I think we're going to look into that because there's a lot of them. They didn't. They never got to experience this either when they were younger. So they're all coming out now. And there's a couple that, that told me that they're single and they can't wait to mingle. And I'm excited to provide that space for the older crowd, too. Oh, you're saying that we're going to do speed dating, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I like speed that. I made me think of that. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of stuff coming. We, we have a calendar on our website. Um, and if everybody wants to just, you know, it, it's not updated yet, but we will update it probably the first week of April with the events we got coming up. And then just keep an eye on it. Amazing. Well, I can't believe we're already at the end of our time. Um, it, Julie, Danielle, it's so amazing to chat with you about Femme. Uh, I'm a super fan, as you know. And if listeners, if you haven't been yet, make sure to check out Femme. Um, you can follow uh, what's going on at Femme on their Instagram at Fembar Worcester and their website, FembarWorcester.com. Thank you for listening to Public Hearing, our podcast and radio show that airs Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on WICN 90. 0.5 FM, Worcester's only NPR affiliate station, and can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. Our show seeks to amplify stories of community efforts working toward equity, justice, and joy across Worcester, Massachusetts, Gateway Cities, and the nation. I'm your host, Joshua Croak, founder of Action by Design, a mission-driven consultancy supporting community and economic development through the transformative power of creative arts, media, and design. Learn more about our work, including this show, Public Hearing, at actionbydesign.co. Our audio producer is Juliana DeRazio, who also made our show music. Thank you to Kelly Kujurek and Jack Tripp, who also support the production of this show. As always, the work continues, folks. Thanks for listening.